Hey everyone, welcome to Book Sounds Book Reviews. I'm Tracy. And I'm Eric. As you know by now, if you're hearing my voice, we have a review with Eric this week. Eric, what book do we have? Well, before we go into what book we have, i just like to take a moment for everybody's solemn Did I Did sigh. I write something? Ah, oh, because we have to do an Eric book review and they're all so boring. <laughs> Some people so. <laughs> might tune in just for your reviews. Some people might I, actually hate my reviews. They might say, you know what? I hate fiction, but I like money business. So, you know, some people might actually like this. Okay. But so as I recall, this is the really long one. For that one guy out there or one guy or girl out there that listens to this <laughs> podcast for this book review, I appreciate you. <laughs> So anyways, to get into what book am I doing today, this is a book I had I had read quite a while ago, and I had felt like it was a book that I should do a book review on, so I went back and reread it. And the book is called Just Keep Buying, and it's by, silence for me butchering this person's name, yeah. Nick Maguuli. <laughs> yeah, we were, just, we were just sitting here and going, how do we say this? Nick Maguli? Maguli? So, yeah, you're just going to have to Whatever look at the title and, and just kind of guess it. And and I do know that there's some videos online and we're like, we're not going to sit and yeah. search for them. So, so yeah. I don't know where I was going. But anyway, so that's the book that we're talking about today. And to kick it off, so... Based on the title, you may be able to tell this book is is very much a fi personal finance book. And um, one of the things that, that, I mean, the core of the book, which I think is really funny, is that, that this book is a very, very data-driven book. So it uses a lot of bar graphs, mathematical equations, okay. type stuff like that to prove their, their point, which usually is not very interesting to me. No, not me. I, I still found this book to be pretty good. Okay. But for somebody who's really into like hardcore data and things, this would might be a phenomenal book, right? Because right. because he does really dive. That's from what I understand. This this gentleman started a blog, and this book spawned from that blog, hmm. and that's kind of the theme of his, his do you know, blog. Do you know if that blog is still going? I believe so. Mm -hmm. I I know that when I started reading this book, I briefly went on his blog, so oh, I didn't cool. know take note of whether right you know yeah, there was active not... posts or newer posts or yeah, anything yeah, yeah. so maybe it's fallen dormant since then but i i'm doubting probably not i'm thinking probably not so um so what this book basically the general concept of this book is is that it's trying to prove to people that i think when people look at how to invest for their retirements and things like that, things for the future. Mm -hmm. um, everybody seems to break down the concept that it's extremely difficult. It's extremely complex. You need an expert to to explain everything to you for right. that. And this book kind of tries to show that, no, you really don't need that. Right. What you need to do is, can you guess? Just to understand, just keep buying. Yes, and that's. I mean, I guess you need to keep buying the right things, though. Right. Well, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, but correct. But the, the the idea behind it is is that there's no complexity to investing in, say, the stock market. Right. It's just about putting money in there and leaving it there and sit there yeah. and grow. Which you'll hear arguments back and forth, and they actually in this book go into a lot of the common arguments that right. that you hear about 
and they try to show you some evidence to show you that that like it really doesn't matter. So like one of the common things is like when people say to invest. So say I have we have fifteen thousand dollars sitting on this table right now, and That'd be nice. there's a huge huge audience in the world that believes that putting all fifteen thousand dollars of that into the stock market right now today mm-hmm. would be a mistake. Right, and. What they say is is that you spread it out over time. Right. So you take that fifteen thousand dollars and say I'm gonna invest it over the next five years, split it up five years each month, put mm-hmm. a certain amount of that fifteen thousand dollars. And surprising, I've always subscribed to that philosophy as well. Right. In this book, they do research that shows that's not necessarily true. In okay. most situations, just putting the money in there is probably better for you. Hmm. So and it's just if anybody's reading like that doesn't make any sense, that's stupid, whatever. It's because you lose so much. If you spread out $15,000 oh, over three time. years, you lose so much potential growth Yeah, within that time frame of spreading it out that that it's generally not beneficial. It's just better to put it in there. And Yeah, that makes so much sense now that you say that, now that he says that, really. <laughs> so another... Very valuable thing. What I really liked about this book is typically when you read personal finance books, they talk about the same things that we all know about for, for say, and I shouldn't say this isn't more so a personal finance, this is more like a retirement book. So right. they're, they're talking about retirement vehicles in this mm-hmm. book. And generally when you read these books, there's like stocks, bonds. Right. You know, just like these three core things that you can invest in mm-hmm. for your retirement. And that's all you need to do. You shouldn't focus on anything else. And especially nowadays, a lot, a lot of new stuff has come up that people can potentially invest in. And he does a very, very good job of covering all right. of those things. Um, he talks about like peer-to-peer lending, even real estate. He talks about REITs, which is like real estate oh. investing through the stock market, sort oh, okay, of. Okay, okay. Yeah, and, I've heard about those, but... And like, there's platforms for peer-to-peer lending real estate where real estate investors go and extract money from p- individuals to invest in real estate. Okay. So not through the s- stock market, but more of a private way of doing it. Right. But he talks, he covers all these different concepts. So you see all the different options that you have out there okay. nowadays. And you see that it's not just... Put your money in the stock market and, and you right. know, so there's, there's different there's options different out there. Ways. And he talks about those. And a lot of people, I, if I remember correctly, he, um, he even talks about crypto. That's how current this oh, is. Oh, wow. But, but, um, for all you crypto lovers out there, <laughs> he does not talk about crypto in a positive sense. Yeah. So, you know, but like, that's, that can be kind of good too, because then you can kind of see that, you know, who knows? If you are a lover, you can say, well, maybe this isn't for me, or maybe I do still love it. So he can talk about the, the benefits or or not so so good things. So that's that is a good thing, and it sounds like he talks about enough things so that you can really pick the thing that works for you and your lifestyle. So that that does right. It gives really you options, sound like a you know? good thing. And even though I'm not a huge bar graph or or whatever type of graph or whatever he he has in there it does sound like a good book in that sense because i am a, a kind of girl where i'm like show it to me prove it to me in the in the sense that i want to see how this works i want to see that it 
does work. I want to see numbers. I want to see proof. And it sounds like he does to show that the fact that, you know what, it does work if you put it all in there at this point and not a couple dollars here, a couple dollars there. Mm. So I do like that he proves it to you and, and says, you know what, it does work if you put it all in there now. And I like that. Because I mean, in, in it's not just that it works. It, that works it, well? It potentially works better yeah. in most situations, so that's, and, which is something I would have never guessed. And the fact that he shows it makes me say, okay. Yeah. So, so it's not that he's just saying, well, it's that he's got stuff to back it up. And right. I like that. And that's kind of a big part of what I... So I'm not a data guy, so I don't want like to look right. at by pie graphs and bar charts and stuff like that. Exactly. But... I do what I enjoyed about this book was being able to read what he was explaining and then seeing oh there's actual data to back exactly. that up. Exactly. And you don't see that a lot in books. So even if you're not really into the data, it's just kind of nice to know that oh look, there's something here that's showing me proof that right. what he's saying is true instead right. of just having the person tell even, you what they think. Even if I don't like the nitty-gritty, you know, dollars all the 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 numbers i like to at least know that oh wow this is a much bigger number than this number you know even if i don't want to know the actual numbers i want to know that wow this is three times bigger than this number hmm. so so that's that's something that's that's nice to know that you at least got out of that book N- not saying that 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 is the exact number, you know, with three times bigger or whatever. But at least you you were able to get that out of it, that you're like, wow, he's at least showing me that this is this is what you can get out of it. So so yeah, somebody who is really big into to data and bar charts and I mean they would pr- probably I bet you I, they, I just they can't get, imagine the people that are on this guy's blog cuz I just imagine that it's just a bunch of math geeks like yeah. doing all oh, sorts of trying to disprove what he's done and then coming right. back and you know Yeah, I was I was never huge into math. I'm an art person, but but yeah, so but I do like to know that that there are facts to prove it. So so it is nice that there's facts, but then yeah, if you are into to math, science, whatever, but mostly math I'd say, then then my gosh, I'll bet you be huge into this. So so that's excellent. So and then the next thing that he tackled, which is another one that I thought was really interesting, and I also I also feel like this one is a crime so my my parents are in the process of retiring. Oh, right. Yeah, and, I know your mom and, was talking about some stuff the other day. me and my mom were talking about something at one point in time about something with her retirement. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, have you ever done the 4% rule calculation? And she had no <laughs> idea what that was. And I think it's it's cute that you're like, well, mom. <laughs> what about? So. <laughs> did did you meet the four percent rule? And and so I'm assuming that most people are not very familiar with this concept. So Maybe you've gone to an investment advisor and they've mentioned this to you. But so the first thing I want to say about this is that so what the four percent rule is is it tries to take a very complex situation to make it very simple. And that complex situation is how much money you should have for, for retirement. Now, there's a million variables that go into that that thing. Mm-hmm. So it's very hard to simplify that equation. Right. But some person along the line did a bunch of statistical analysis and said right. that that if you're only withdrawing 4% of your retirement a year, 
it should last like 35 years. Okay. So, and it's like, it's like their, their stats said like 98% of people would be successful at that number. So it's just kind okay. of a basic, easy baseline number to, to figure out what, how much money you need for retirement. Right. So I don't remember. So I'm most familiar with the 4% rule. But there's another equation that came from another book that was written that does tries to do basically the same thing as the 4% rule, but just does it in a different way. Right. So he took these two equations because now the thing to understand about this is that Google the 4% rule on, on the internet once and you're going to find a straight line split. There's going to be people on one side that say the 4% rule is absolutely godsend of all financial tools or whatever and then on the other side people are going to say the four percent rule is absolute bullshit and and really in fact oh yeah it's like it's like a 50 50 split on whether it's right or wrong i mean granted you're gonna have that with a lot of things in life but yeah yeah. well i think as i've gotten older i personally believe that that's everything yeah you know like like I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there are people out in the world that don't believe we breathe air. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. like because it just seems like we're divided on everything. Yeah. But I think there's people who are like that just because they want to. They want I, to be different. And if you are one of those people that believe that air is is fake, please email us because <laughs> I really want to have a conversation with oh, you. Oh, man, I don't want to get that email. I will. <laughs> I will happily sit down and talk to you for an hour and let you convince me air isn't real because I just want to see where that rationale comes from. <laughs> and I'm not making fun of that person. I'm genuinely, genuinely interested. Yeah. But but so with this 4% rule, basically what he did is he took these two equations and he compared them because he wanted to see, okay, so this place is saying to do this, this place is saying to do this. What, you know, like... Right. What's the outcome for most people? And basically what he said, he's like, he's like, yeah, there's downsides and there's upsides to both both places. But in most scenarios where you run it, mm-hmm. it's whichever equation you use, it's going to tell you to save the same amount of money. Right. So so while there may be downsides to both equations, mm-hmm. at, in the same time, they both give you the same end result. So oh, nice. d- does either equation really matter? or? No. And as long as you get roughly the same amount to save, make sure you're right. <laughs> make sure you're saving enough. And and if I can just throw my two ten cents in, regather regardless of the mathematics of all this, if you as a person abide by the four percent rule, you're gonna be way better off than most people in the world who do nothing. Right. Have no basis for it because mm-hmm. because I mean so well, let, let's, let's face it, most people don't enough. have retirement. So if you're doing the 4% rule, you're just going to... You're going to... You're that. already infinitely, infinitely past most people. Right. So, so, but I just did find that interesting, that comparison and how oh, yeah. they're essentially doing the essentially the same thing. Isn't that interesting? But just in a different way. But so, at least you're doing something and you're trying to save and... Yeah. So yeah. next time somebody says 4% rule... And then, but you should you shouldn't use the four percent rule, but you should use this equation. Remember that probably in the end you're going to get the same result either way. Yeah, <laughs> as long as you're doing something, so you're being proactive, because most people aren't being very proactive at all. So, so, and then this was just kind of a, something personal the author talked about that I thought was I've never heard this philosophy, and I think this is if everybody in the world applied this philosophy to life, it would be way better. Like we'd all be in way better shape. And that is, is that when he, so he, 
there's a big divide in this personal finance world where some people like like are like don't spend any money other people are like live your life enjoy your life but you know you have right. to save some money well that's the, it is a hard thing with that part in his rationale in his life for that rule is is that you know so he doesn't isn't too frugal but also so he doesn't overspend was that he has a dollar threshold and i think it was like four hundred dollars like anything that he wants to buy over four hundred dollars to buy that item he has to invest the same amount of money as the item costs. So oh, if he, I like that. So so if you want to buy a $400 TV, for him, it costs him $800 because he has to buy the TV. So then you and really to have to think about it. Is well, it worth $800 to me? It increases the prices of everything. So you're, yeah, you think twice about purchasing something and it's forcing you to save for your retirement. Yeah. And it's... It, I really like that. I want to start instilling that. Eric. Yeah, I think that's a great, a great idea. Yeah, I think that is really great because then you are, you're, you are forcing yourself to to just save for your retirement a little bit more. So where's the harm in that? And then you are thinking twice about it. Do I need this new TV yet? And and do I need it at all? Really? And yeah, and then also, you know what? Do I need this four hundred dollar TV, or can I go with the three hundred dollar TV? Yeah, and that's I mean, that's another big part of it is is that when you make a four hundred dollar TV, eight hundred dollar TV, does a three hundred dollar TV start sounding a lot better than a four hundred dollar TV? Yeah, it, it's, it's possible, you know. There's just little things like that 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 is a really good thing. I kind of want to start doing that, Eric. Well, we can talk about that off air, man. Yeah. See, this is the wonders of the podcast world. Well, and and just the wonders of reading. There are things that when you read books, whether it is fiction or nonfiction, that you start picking up. Because like I said, really, sometimes my fiction characters do things and I'm like, oh, I like that. And and it just might be something that, that either the authors do or whatever. And then something like this that he does. And I'm just like... That is freaking brilliant, and it might be kind of small, but it makes a huge impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. It's just wow. So this is another one that I really liked from this book, and I really appreciated it. It was in this book because this is something that really resonates a lot with me, and um, this again might tread on the the might be offensive to some people, but I think we've learned. From So when I was a child, when Tracy was a child, our parents, all they wanted from us in life was for us to get a college education. <laughs> but no matter what, whatever. Yeah. Health, it was very important. It, it was the then. most important thing that you, a parent could do for their child was to get them a, a college education. Well, because the, all the parents did a really good job and got us all mm-hmm. college educations, A- but now a it college education has gotten way more expensive for anybody to get. B, a college degree does probably half of mm-hmm. what it does. We've flooded the system with with college, college graduates, right? So then now there's not now jobs that they would just give anybody the job to require a college graduate because there's so many of them that they can make that required. Right. Which doesn't help our society. And it certainly doesn't help the people that are spending forty, fifty, sixty thousand $60,000 to, to get the college degree. And there's a whole chapter in this book that walks you through a formula you can follow to calculate out 
is it worth what take whatever <gasps> you want to get a college degree oh. in? And it walks you through the steps of figuring out, okay, how much money are you going to potentially make if you get this degree? Oh, that's amazing. And to see, is that degree really worth it? That's awesome. And this is important because keep in mind, even though I'm, I'm a firm believer that in a lot of situations, people should not get a college degree, there are still jobs. Obviously, obviously. Probably for a doctor, it's well worth yeah, I was gonna getting say, some a degree of these, you, <laughs> to become a doctor. Some, they make very good money. Some of these you have to go. You have to learn and, and everything. And sometimes you still, if you want to go to college, by all means, go to college. We're not telling you don't go to college. But don't go to college because people are telling you to go to college. Well, yeah. And in, 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 you know... Is it worth is it, it worth it is for it you to take it? out seventy thousand dollars in debt? W- right. It's basically to get a degree that's gonna do nothing for we, you. We always talk about on both of our podcasts there's a cost benefit analysis to everything. And we talk about this in our life all the time with, with everything and and whether it's money or effort. I mean, I'm sorry, but do you wanna put in the money, the effort, everything? If if you're not going to get anything out of it. I mean, I'm sorry. I loved my college experience. And luckily, I thought about what I was going to get out of it and everything. I, I commuted to college. So the I made sure I put in very, very little money. Mm. Um, so it's because I knew I knew the kind of job I was going to get out of it wasn't going to be good. I'm an artist, dude. Mm. So. So, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't going to be so, but there's a lot of people. I mean, we just had a friend who got her loans, who got her loans forgiven because of the kind of job she's in, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, um, but she, I think if I recall, because of the, the time that she spent paying it, she actually ended up paying more Oh yeah, I, than what she took out. And she, I, I questioned, I questioned a lot of what she was saying because it was so dramatic. And like, she said, she's like, my brain wasn't fully developed. I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, because yeah, I would have loved to see the terms of her of her loan because it, like, the numbers she had calculated out were ridiculous. Yeah, I didn't actually see the numbers. All I, I just know that she would, that it was ridiculous. And it, so, yeah, it, it just, these are the things that you have to think about. And, and, and. And when when you think about it, when when you buy, I mean, if you spend seventy thousand dollars on on a college education, and uh, most people don't even think about this, they pick the thing they're interested in going to school for, go and get a college right. degree, spend seventy thousand dollars on it. What in your life, other than that, are you willing to spend seventy thousand dollars where you don't really sit down and think about it. Most like, people don't even buy a car for seventy thousand dollars. I mean, some people do over and over and over again. But but yeah, I mean and then here's the fun thing. Some people at age 30, 40 change their job, which is great for them because you realize that that hey, you need to change their your job. You're a different person. But if you spend $70,000 on a degree, and then that's not even what you do, think about it. it so. Yeah, I mean. It's it, it's very hard when you're 18 and and people say, what are you interested in? And right. that's why I went to a two-year school because I thought I was interested in something and I wasn't sure. And then I, and then I said, I'm going to transfer. Because 
I'm sorry, you guys. I just want to say to your, if you are going to go to college, to your schools are the greatest to start out in because you're not, it, to make sure that you're, you're sure. And, but, and the other important thing to realize is that when you're at the age where you have to decide what you're going to do for college, you're and not possibly at, the rest of your life. Yeah. You, you're not at the, you're not in the mindset that, that, to make that decision yet, you're like not. you are not, you are not mentally where you need to be to you're, know what you want to spend the rest of your this life is, doing. This is the point where most people are like, "I have to leave my parents for the first time. This is scary." This, is, and, and some people are like, "This is the most exhilarating thing. I'm leaving my parents. Yay! I want to go as far away as possible. Where can I go?" But there's there's a lot of things going through your mind. So so yeah, back to kind of what Eric was saying: the cost benefit analysis or and whatever. I like how he put it. In there. And, and then that's exactly what he's doing here is he's giving a system to, to really evaluate like, okay, does this make sense to do or am I better just to throw this this money into the stock market and, and right. you know, because like $70,000 when you're 18 years old, I... I'm not, again, not very good at mathematics, but if you stick that into a, the stock market and leave it sit there until you're 65 years old, there's a good chance that you're very close to a millionaire. Well, Freak, even, even if you and, do it till you're 20 and then say, you know what, I think I know what I want to do, whether it is a different job or, you know, you but, know what, but, this but, is what I want to do for the rest of my life. But Tracy, you're much older than 20 now. Think well, about yeah, it. Now. Do you really at 20 think you know what you want to do with the rest of your life? <sighs> No, you don't. Okay. <laughs> the rationale of it is no, you don't. So, but that's not to say I'm not, I, I don't want, I don't want hate mail because I'm talking ill will about going to college. I just think that, that going to college now you in know, this era is something that people need to calculate and they need to think about, is this investment worth it? Because, and I think in a lot of situations, it's not. And, and I think this is the first time I've ever read anything that gives you a system to do that. And I think that's really powerful. Yeah. Yeah, I I totally agree. Yeah, and and I'm not against college. I mean, I would maybe go go to to like a tech or something now. But uh but yeah, I mean, and if somebody really knows, by all means do it. But at at 18, 20, I don't know. Maybe yeah. maybe 20. I mean, there's a reason why so many people don't work within the field they went in to school for mm -hmm. and that's because they they get into the field and they realize they don't want to do it yeah you know i mean when i was 20 25 years old man the word well me yeah I, up until probably 25 years old the word entrepreneur i didn't really even know what it no. was and well, now I, mean, I am an entrepreneur yeah there's so, a reason you went into the navy and then you then you <clears> did the entrepreneur thing you know and then then i you know i did the whole photographer thing and then i was like i I can't work with people. I have to do the solo photographer thing. You know, it's like you pivot, you pivot again and until you realize and, you know, and then I was an adult when I figured that out. You're not an adult when you're 20. Mm -hmm. So, but we so, kind of went on a slight tangent with that, but it's just, just wow. some food for thought. You ready to go on another tangent? Because this one, this ooh, is, ooh. this is earmarked as the one that Tracy's really going to like. Uh oh. So this is something I have I have felt in in my brain was f fact for a very long time and um and but I've never read it before okay and this was taken from a survey the guy found and it says that 
Sixty to seventy-five percent of people find happiness more with experiences than with the purchase of physical items. Yeah, I mean, right there. So that's us completely. That's why we go on vacations more than. And the reason why I think this one is so big is because everybody that's listening should stop, reflect now, and say if sixty to seventy-five percent of people are happier from experiences than purchasing physical items. Mm-hmm. Now look at your life and tell me, what do you spend more money on? Experiences or physical items? Because I think most people are going to fall under the physical items side of things. Yeah. And I think that's a huge miscalculation yeah. by our society. And yeah. I think there um, are a lot of people out there that buy a lot of physical items because they think it's going to make them happy yeah. and it doesn't. Now, I still buy physical items, don't get me wrong. You have but, to. You yeah. have to because I mean And I still buy physical items sometimes when I'm sad cuz I'm like, "Hey, but like But we, th- that does nothing for you." <laughs> In tempor- reality, it, it, hey, temporarily it t- <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. No, temporarily for like but, like 10 minutes you're you're happy. Yeah, and then I'm like, "Boo." But then but but the the vacation, the, when we're when we're on vacation, those are the moments, and and when we think back to the vacations, we're like, these are those those moments that was the moment that made us happy, and and I I, I spot mark vacation, but I also think about just happy moments when we go on our walks, when we're in the backyard with our hammock, things like that. Those are the things that make us happy, and I always think about what if I ever tell my psychiatrist when I'm when I was depressed and I'm like, wow, it's been a while since I haven't, since I've been in my hammock. And, and it's things like that, that I, that I know about my happiness. And, and that's what you think about. I don't know that, oh, gee, I haven't seen that, that item lately. So, so you think about those, those things. And, and that's what, that's what really you, you talk about. And so really, if you think about it, it's not the items. It is the, the memories that the... Right. And take a walk around your house sometime. Look yeah. around at everything in your house and think of all the things that just sit there that you bought for whatever reason at some well, point in time in your life. And they do nothing for you now. That All that could have been funneled into like a lasting memory. Right. And... And that that guarantee you, like I'll tell you that that memories they fade over time. Mm-hmm. They do, but oh, they gosh, never yeah. go away. But th- and that's they why never go. And that's away. why you continue to make memories. I mean, yeah. every when we take our our evening walks and everything, and and we're recording this this in fall, and it's our evening walks are slowly going away, which makes me sad. But that that's what makes me happy when we when we get our have our conversations. But. But yeah, I mean, those are the things we have to continue to make our memories. And I always have those. And that's why that's why you continually make memories so that when the old ones fade, you make the new ones. But yeah, I don't always think about the teddy bear that I lost. I don't mm-hmm. think about that. I don't think. <laughs> I'm like, wait, was there a teddy bear I lost? But no, it's not it's not something I think about. Yeah. So so, so. That one was just real refreshing to read. It because is. Because that's it is, always been something about, that's been in my we head. We talk about and, that quite often, especially on our other podcasts. We always talk about that. 
Okay. So the the final one is one another one that I think is just really awesome. I don't know if I really relate to it. I don't think you'll really relate to it. But the the final chapter, I think it was the final chapter of this book, actually talks about at what point do you feel rich? Oh, that's a good question. I think for everybody it's different because, you know, some people are like, oh, when I have a, a family of, you know, grandchildren and everything. And some people it's it's literally money. Can I ask you, do you feel rich? You know what? It's funny. Lately, I have because I've been extremely happy, which is funny okay, that that's I good. say that. That's good. So in this this final chapter, he interviews multiple people that from, I think, most people's perspective, I mean, they're fairly rich people. But mm-hmm. when I say that, they're like multi-millionaires, yeah. well, you know, like not just a millionaire, but multiple millionaire yeah so maybe 10 million 15 million yeah he interviewed a bunch of these people and all of these people said that no i'm not rich and why why do you think that they didn't view themselves as rich i'm gonna guess because were they just not surrounded by things like they probably had items but they didn't have maybe family or no they, they just they no, they didn't empty. view themselves as rich because they knew somebody that was richer than them. Ah, uh, yes, of course. So the argument of this chapter that was was that you can do whatever you want. You can you can make as much money as you want and you'll mm-hmm. never feel rich. The only, I mean, by yeah. his definition, the only person on earth that is rich is Elon Musk because there's nobody richer to to uh he can't look around and say, well, no, that guy's richer because yeah. Elon Musk is the richest man See, in the world right now. Weird, but, but. Creepy. <laughs> I'm sorry. So. I don't know. It's just so weird to think of him as. And, and the, why I think this, this part of the book is important is, is because I do think that there's a lot of people that their underlying goal is, is to, to be, be rich. And yeah, the simple I, fact of the matter is, is that you have to have at your a certain own... point, you have to stop and just be happy right, and, and not see, be rich see, because you're never going to be rich. Yeah. I don't like to compare myself to other people, you know, and I think it's funny because we have a lot of friends who look at us. They always joke. They're like, Eric's rich. And we're like, like, we're not rich, you guys, because we go on a lot of vacations doesn't mean we're rich. We just know how to get the deals. Mm-hmm. And but they think we're rich, and because we have you have your own business and whatever, but we're not rich. No, but depending. But on maybe how you, we are rich. I mean, to a lot of people, we probably and are that's, rich and because that's it. we can do things that so, so many people can't do. And that's the thing. But because we have what we want, we have. I have my happiness back. We have the vacations that we want. We have our cats. We have each other. That's richness to me. Yeah. And the way I always equate this, like to me, what being rich is, and it's not even being rich because I don't care about rich. Right. Rich is a dumb thing. Right. Well, and that's. Uh, <laughs> but, but but it's being happy. Right. And, and the way but I that, see. But that's also kind of a richness too. Yeah. Fulfillment. Yeah. But I think a lot of people think of rich as being in a monetary standpoint. And, well, and, that's. And, but. The way I have always seen it is it doesn't matter what income bracket you're in. Mm-hmm. There's there's like a line. Think of a line. Yeah. And 
there's the really miserably unhappy people in mm-hmm. that income bracket, and then there's the people that are extremely happy in that income right. bracket. But I also and it doesn't think- matter what income bracket you're in, there are these people in every one of those income brackets. And yeah. to me, what's way more important is not, I think, as a society, we try to chase up the income brackets. Right. But a lot of us chase up the income brackets and the entire time we're in that, in- whatever income bracket we're right. in, we're on the miserable side. And we jump up to the next income yeah. bracket and we're still on the miserable side. Right. And we, and we jump up to the next income bracket and we're on the miserable side. Right. Because we always want to be, we want to be to the next, next side. And, and it's just like, but why do we have to be unhappy and be, be chasing why can't we just be happy with where we're at? And yeah, and, and it's just I, like, I'm not against jumping up an income bracket. Well, yeah, and we can but, jump up there. But hey, I think we should always have goals. We should always have goals. That's that's the best thing in life because that's what keeps us going. It keeps us motivated. Yeah, but and, hey, and take also, some time to enjoy where you're go, at. Too. Get over to the happiness side on your income bracket before you yes. start jumping up. Because well, more than likely, if you're in. I'm just going to throw out an arbitrary number. Let's say you're yeah. in the 60,000, 60K income bracket right now. If you work yourself over to the happy side of the mm-hmm. the 60K income bracket, you know what's going to happen when you jump up to the next income bracket? You're going to be upset again because you're no, going to be at the lowest. No, you're going to be on the happy side of the income bracket. Because what oh. I think once you get on the happy side, you don't want to give that up. Oh, yeah. Okay. So you're not going to be willing to True. give up that happiness for more money. Yeah, it's just not going to be important to you. So if you do jump up, you're just always going to jump up on the but there happy is, side. But there is also that thing. But there is also that thing where when you get that goal, sometimes you get depressed because suddenly you get that goal and you're like, hmm, what do I do when I get that goal? I don't know if you've ever experienced that. What do you, I'm not so, really. So sometimes you're chasing a goal. And once you've achieved that goal, you're like, no, I don't have any more goals to achieve. And I'm depressed. Well, you just make another goal, though. There's right? always more goals. Yeah, but are you talking money goal? Or are you talking just It can be goal? any goal. Okay. You know, like, if you jump up an income bracket, and you're like, I was on the happy side of the previous income bracket, and now I'm kind of in the middle. I don't think I'm fully happy in this income bracket. Okay. Well, now your next goal is to get over to the happiness side. Okay. But my biggest thing is is that that I think everybody prioritizes rich yeah. over happiness. No, and, I I agree and, and highly. I, and I do think because, a lot of people think that they're somehow related. Yeah. And I oh, don't I, think I that agree. they are. I agree. Well, I think we uh we kinda went a little bit tangent on that one anyway. So do you have do you have anything that you wanna that you that you wanna say with that? Well, I mean, the number one thing I would say is is that once again, I don't know if I've ever said this on this podcast. I know I've told Tracy this, but but making doing a book review on a book always makes that book better. You and know, I feel like I do, this is, I do was another great episode of that because I, I enjoy this book a lot better because yeah. there was a lot of good points in this book and and man, did I take good notes. Yeah, so. <laughs> I, will, I will say you do actually make me want to read some of these books even though these aren't my kind of books. But 
you do enough good reviews where I think I don't need to read them. So that's good. So, but yeah, it. I do like the fact that we do reviews on these because it, it really brings to light how good some of these books are. So I'm really glad right, that and you do these. So I know that you that you say, oh, man, another Eric review. But no, I really, really like that. And you do a really good job reviewing them. Yeah. And I, I should apologize to the listeners for this one. But but my whole philosophy on podcasting is that I don't do it for the listeners. I do it for me. And but you know th- what? There's this, a listener out there that's like you. Yeah. This podcast it does. It makes me enjoy my books more and it makes me l- realize how much I gained, how much insight I've gained yeah. from just in life in general from a book. And I think that's a really powerful thing. Yeah. So well, I hope our in. listeners can get that same thing yeah. from us, from the book. But but even if they don't, you know what? It was worth it to me because now I enjoy this book more. And every time I look at it on my bookshelf, I'm going to be like, that was a good book. Yeah. You know? So. No, it made me enjoy it more too. So, well, made me enjoy it for the first time, I guess. Cause yeah, you can look at it now on the bookshelf and think, I actually kind of know what that y- book's about. I, I actually will say, I do look at some of your books now and I'm like, oh, dang, I kind of almost want to pick that up. I just know that I can't read. I'm, I'm predicting. It's just not my style. I'm predicting that she'll never pick one of those books. Up, no, because so. I get, because I have a long list of, of, uh, of fiction books that I have to read right now, so I can't pick it up. But I know that you did such a good review on it, so I'm okay with it. You can keep me informed. So, but I, it's just nice to know that now I know what that's about in some of your other books, and and I think it's really interesting, and it's it's nice to know another part of your world and and everything. So, so so yeah. With that, we can wrap this episode. I'm I'm excited to to tell that I think probably our next book review will be one of Tracy's books that I will yeah. have concluded reading. I think so, so too. So we can do so, a, a cross review of that book. Yeah, so. I'm pretty excited about that. And hopefully I'll have another book pretty soon. Been pretty slow on that, unfortunately. But we'll be back hopefully in two weeks with another review. And as we mentioned, we do have another another podcast. It's called Stigmas and Open Wounds. And you can find that on our on our website, stigmasandopenwounds.com. And if you have anything to say, you can email us at stigmasandopenwounds at gmail.com. And we do have a few things at Instagram and Facebook. And like I said, we'll be back in two weeks. Thank you, everybody. Later. Later.